Hello, welcome to our podcast recording. I'm uh, Sumit Das, I'm a paediatric anaesthetist in Oxford, and I've been joined by Dr. Simon Steele. Uh, and Simon is talking today about how to approach paediatric organ donation. By way of introduction, Simon is a consultant in paediatric critical care and anaesthesia uh, here in Sheffield Children's, and he's the current clinical lead in organ donation and has been a member of the National Paediatric and Neonatal Organ Donation Committee for the NHS uh, since its inception in 2015. So, um, Simon, why does this subject matter to you? Um, I think the main drive for me, uh, why it's important, is that, as, a, as certainly as part of my role as a critical care consultant, um, I deal with a lot of death in children, and... Um, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the, if, if not the only thing that offers any hope uh, to any families is if we can offer the families of the child that's, that's dying or has already died the chance for them to become organ donors. It's, it is the only, it's the only mm. positive thing that I've ever witnessed as an intensive care clinician uh, in those situations. Okay. Um, can you just elaborate a little and, and just explain why you're talking about this subject now? Well, um, organ donation has certainly been at the forefront of NHS blood and transplant. It's kind of... Um, since the task force recommendations came in in about 2008, there's been massive pushes in, in increasing the number of organ donors. And certainly it's... It, the, there's time for celebration in many ways in, in when you think about over the last sort of 10 years, they've now gone to over 4,000 plus transplants last year uh, from 1,500 donors, so those numbers have never been reached before. Uh, the transplant waiting list has fallen consecutively for the past eight years. It's now at just over 6,000 people. And before the task force recommendations came in, which is a Department of the Health paper back in 2008, uh, there were sort of well over 7,000 on the transplant waiting list. So that's amazing. Yeah. The problem is, in paediatrics, it's been completely static for a decade. Um, out of the 1,500 donors that we had in 2017-2018, 57 were under 17. Now, y you can think, well, obviously, children's um, health is, you know, they've got, they're generally normally very well. Their PICU survival rates are 95% plus, which is fantastic. Um, but they are an incredibly small donor pool. Out of 250 donating hospitals in the UK, you've got 27 PICU, so the paediatric deceased donors are going to come from a limited number of hospitals. Uh, out of the 600,000 deaths that happen in the UK every year, there's 6,000 children that die. And when you think about individual kind of organ needs and the children that are on the transplant waiting list now, for example, children waiting for a heart transplant wait three times longer than an adult. Um, we are behind on consent rates for children compared to adults. We are behind on referral rates, especially as nurses in organ donation compared to adults. Um, we've got a lot to kind of make up with it. So... Uh, I think it's, it's probably worth saying that one of the main drives for coming uh, to the APA conference this year is that just in March this year, 
the first ever paediatric and neonatal strategy was launched, uh, aimed at specifically increasing organ donation rates, deceased donor rates from uh, children and neonates. And I think it's I think it's a, it's as good a time as any to kind of be be more vocal about this. Absolutely. Well, hopefully this this recording and conversation will will help with that. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the anaesthetic issues around this? Um, I think pragmatically, it's it's familiarity. So if you think about the fact that there have been 57 mm. deceased donation, donor operations, organ recovery operations in in the last year, how you know, out of how many kind of hospitals amongst the UK, how often? Or even the subspecialty of paediatric anaesthetics, how often as a paediatric anaesthetist are you going to come across this? And like anything that is is rare, um, you need to have some way of being more familiar with that. Uh, and I think that certainly um, simulation is probably one of the ways forward in, in, mm. in terms of getting more familiar with that. Because at, with, the, with the significantly fewer... Uh, potential donors in the paediatric world, if you miss one, it's catastrophic. Because one, one paediatric donor can go on to s literally save seven to eight other people's lives, including adults. It depends on the size of the organs that are recovered. Mm. So just missing one paediatric donor, the opportunities for deceased donation in children are so few and far between you, you, you can't afford to. So are we in a position where Every paediatric critical care unit has a sort of identified person that would be the person to make the first approach or open discussions, or does well, it vary? Well, there are, so there are 20, out of 27 PICUs in the UK, most of the PICUs, I think more than 50% now, have got a, a dedicated clinical lead in organ donation for, mm. for, the, for the paediatric side of things. Mm. Um, that the target for that is obviously to get all the PICUs in the UK that have a, a dedicated clinical lead in organ donation, also known as a CLOD, which is not very flattering, but that's what that's what we're called. Mm. Um, and that's that is the aim. But in terms of making approaches, um, that's a slightly different kind of uh, answer to that question. And, and the approaches really need to be made not only from the from any intensivists. That are, that are on call that particular day or working on the unit that day, but it needs to be that needs to be a, a team approach with the dedicated um, specialist nurses in organ donation that are appointed by NHSBT. That every hospital has an associated specialist nurse in organ donation, so the approaches always need need to be made in conjunction with the specialist nurses. Uh, but yeah, we're getting there, uh, but we have still got a little bit of a way to go before that's 100 percent. Okay, so if if as the paediatric anaesthetist consultant on call, uh, we we have um, a paediatric organ donation to um, to facilitate, is is there any resources or anywhere we can go t to get a little bit of uh, background information for what's expected of us? Because as 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 you've quite rightly said, it's a pretty uh, most of us won't have had much experience in that. Yeah, I mean, well, the last time, probably, you know, most people have experienced it were probably during the adult training mm, uh, yeah, before exactly. they still specialised in paediatrics. Mm. Every hospital, uh, the ideal is that every hospital has got a either a care pathway, a guideline, some sort of standard operating procedure. Because it's such a rare event, you need mm. to have things written down and yeah. accessible. 
in our trust, we've got an intranet where all our clinical guidelines and pathways are stored, and um, they are in keeping with the national guidelines that come out directly from NHS blood and transplant. If you haven't got anything in your hospital, the first thing I would suggest is you find out who your clinical lead is and ask them if it's just been hidden away in some deep dark corner. If it hasn't, are they thinking about putting something in place? And in the meantime, there's, there's massive resources online, including the, the ODT NHS UK website, and it's got sections that are relevant specifically to paediatrics, in addition to adult sections that are also really useful to read and resources you can download. Perfect. Okay. So in your eyes, what's the ideal future? The, the, the ideal future would be that um, they don't need people like me to appro approach families and have a conversation around the death of a child and at some point, along with my specialist nurse colleague, then try and bring in the topic of organ donation. So the ideal future for me would be that once families have got some sense of acceptance that there is nothing else that we can do for their children, that they then bring in the questions about organ donation. Mm. Because we've got, to, we've got to encourage people in the UK to start talking about organ donation it, in times when we're well. Mm. It's a health choice. Mm. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a choice where we need to have these conversations, not in the times when you're breaking bad news and you're, you're delivering conversations about withdrawing life-sustaining therapies or neurological death testing. So that, that would be my ideal. Fantastic. Okay, that's a lot of uh, food for thought there, Simon. Um, thank you for sharing that with us. Thanks, and, thanks uh, for having me on. Thank you. All the best.